have mercy, look at how the time goes. And welcome to the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. Uh, Today I have a special guest. This is my sister, Meredith. I'm on the telephone with her. She's in Ohio. I'm here in Norway. Hey, girl. Hello, Norway. (laughs) Norway doesn't care about you. Norway is <laughs> wrapped up in their they own... They would care about me if I was there. They would care about... You'd make your presence felt. Is that what you're saying? Yes, I would. Yes, I would. <laughs> now, this is uh, this is something... Shame on me for not thinking of this er, uh, earlier. Uh, I was talking with you on the phone yesterday about how we have our little... little um, I don't know. Connection. It's that sibling connection. Uh, we can just look now it's been a while since we've seen each other. I'm here and you're, you're there back in the States, but after several years of not seeing each other, we would still be able to just give each other a look and we would know right away what the, what the funny thing is that we were thinking of and we'd start laughing and that's, uh, yeah, that's that sibling connection I was talking about. Well, do people ever ask you, like when I post stuff on Facebook that, you know, you and I would know is funny. Do people ever ask you, well, what does that mean? Why, why did she put that on your page? Oh yeah. All the time. <laughs> I get not so, not so much anymore, but <clears throat> excuse me, but for a while I would get a lot of, um, uh, direct messages from people with question marks about things that you and I would be posting, uh, back and forth. I don't know. It's, it's not for them to know, I guess. It's our thing. It's our thing. Well, and I was just going to say, when once you tell them what it's about, do they do they get it or are they like, oh, yeah, no, it's you funny know, or whatever? No, you know, maybe they can see the humor in it, but they don't really, I, I really have to go deep and explain the context to them because we could, you, you know, you could just write, you know, I could just write, my lamp kept me warm. You know, and see, and you're laughing right away. You and I know it's from that Little Rascals episode. But over here, although some of the older people used to see the old Little Rascals episode, most people have no clue what that is referring to. Um, so hu- humor is a little bit different over here. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, our childhood was definitely fun. We We had a good time. <laughs> But you know what always gets me is the different ways in which we experience. Now, you're only a year younger than me, so we know pretty much the same people. And we had, mm-hmm. for the most part, the same types of experiences. But our interpretation of those experiences is totally different. Um, you know, I could mention somebody. Like what? Well, I, you know, I could mention somebody. You'd be like, oh, well, he, he used to smoke weed all the time. And I'd be like, what? Did he? You know, I just, I just didn't, I don't know, we called them the burnouts, you know, and some of them are, were my friends, but I just had no idea of what they were doing when it came to the party and the drinking and the smoking of this, that, and the other, and the, and the pills, some of them with the pills. Remember, remember kids used to write on the desk all the time and, and I would see people writing seven, seven fourteen is the thing. Seven fourteen. Seven fourteen yeah. is the thing. And I didn't know until I was... <laughs> Yeah, n- nice and old. Until I, and until I and knew I, what that meant, I had no, I, I didn't know that stuff. Yeah, I, I knew what the reference was, but I never actually knew what a seven fourteen was. 
I had and no... I just I never asked, but like I said, I, I knew what it was referring to. But just the way we experienced the same type of people, I didn't know people were doing certain things. And you're like, oh, yeah, you know, she was. Yeah. <laughs> That's just... Well, but the, the people that were in my class, I mean, we I always felt like we were known for being partiers and, you know, constant going to somebody's house for a party and everybody was drinking and all that stuff. That's, that's just what we did. <laughs> Fast times at Ridgemont High. Well, I mean, it wasn't like that, but no, we we had a good time, though. I I enjoyed my high school years. I did not. I was, um, okay, I was a football star and all that stuff, but good gosh, I I, I had a terrible time. I do not look on my high school years with fondness. I just don't do it. That amazes me. I I would never... um, think that you would say that why what did it you... always felt to me like because it always felt like to me you were on top you were you know top dog um I always felt like I didn't really have an identity because it was always oh you're John Reese's little sister you're John <laughs> Reese's little sister well no I have a name and I always felt like I had to um you know because I did my my small share of sports and everything, but I always uh-huh. felt like I never lived up to what you were doing. Well, that's impossible. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, okay. But, you know, <laughs> no, you, but you were, you were a, 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 something of an athlete. You Didn't you have some school records in the shot put and discus, didn't you? I no. had the shot put record. Shot I broke put that. Record. It had yeah. been, it had been there, uh, I don't know. I don't I don't want to say 10 years, but quite a while because my coach, she was the one that had the record and uh-huh. um she be, because of her, I basically broke it. Yeah. She was she was amazing. What was your coach's name? Who was I that? I was she is. Nora Kidd. Nora Kidd, of course. Shout of out, course. Shout out to Nora. Shout out to Nora. She's not She's got uh some health issues going on. She's been in and out of the hospital, but oh. I love her dearly. She she taught me a lot. She was a wonderful person. And you're still in contact with her? I am, yeah. Good, good. No, you know, I don't know, but that goes back to, to our difference in how we viewed those years. Okay, I, I admit freely I was the football guy. I was pretty badass in football, but Beyond that, I just felt like a total outsider, total outsider. I wasn't in. I was not in that group. I wasn't in that preppy group. I knew everybody. We were were a very small class, so I knew everybody, of course. But uh, as far as feeling like I was in the middle of things, feeling like I was, you know, one of the cool kids, that just wasn't, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. I just can't believe that. that's, That's amazing to me. You know, and I, I felt like, too. I was depressed you know, our, all those years. Were, and see, I, I, I would never know that. I had no idea because, like I said, to me, you, you were it. Everybody loved you. You know, you were into your sports and, and you were just doing well. Mom and dad always came to your um, all your different sports events. But I was <laughs> Remember Ma's like cowbell? I mean, She'd ring that cowbell yeah, every yeah. time I ran a touchdown. <laughs> 
But see, that was it, it, as proud as I was of you. They never came and saw my stuff. You know, where were they when I broke the record? Where were they when I was playing softball? Just, you know, so I always felt like I didn't really count. Hmm. Childhood trauma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I don't. But, I, like I, you said, it's definitely interesting that we have different interpretations. Totally of, different interpretations. Yeah, totally different interpretations. I go back and try to think through those years. What the heck was? I mean, I'll admit it. It was weird. I was, and when I'm, and, and for those listening, when I tell you I was a, a star in football, I was a star in football. I was, I was the guy. But that didn't transfer. You know, you see, you see these old movies or even even some modern movies about the high school football star who's just popular in all ways. That was not me, or at least I didn't feel that way. Far from it. I felt isolated, and uh, yeah, like I said, I was depressed all those years. Just that's just a dark, dark time in my life. Yeah, you know, I came out of it okay, but I'm not going to try and sugarcoat it. I, that was a dark time in my life. Those high school years. Absolutely. Out there in the countryside. Well, the the crazy thing was in in talking to even some people from school in my class that I may have thought were popular and, you know, had all the boyfriends or had all the girlfriends, all that stuff. Some of them had issues going on, too. And, you know, it goes back to what you already said. Kids interpret things differently. What yeah. you see isn't necessarily what's there or what's going on. Because um, there, there was a girl that I went to school with. She and I talked pretty much about this same conversation. And she was like, yeah, I never felt like I had any friends. And um, my life just was a mess yeah. in high school. And it's like, wow, you, you just didn't know. What is that thing? Why can't people recognize their own happiness and success in the moment because i mean is is that what it is is it that that you know things are going well everyone else sees they're going well but for some reason the person uh is up in the middle who is up in the middle of all that doesn't see it and it's they feel the exact opposite it's a big depression thing it's a big black hole of of despair and i don't think that's i don't think that's limited to high school kids i think there's some adults that are like that i'm not like that now i was in high school but i'm not like that now but what is that thing? That's just, I mean, that's some, some weird psychological stuff going on there. It is. Well, and I think there there's a lot more pressure out there for kids than what people really think there is. Do you think um, there's more pressure now on kids than there was back in our day? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it was really? there when we were younger, but it's. I think it's worse now. Huh. Um Kids, I think, have a different mentality these days. How so? Um, Even when it comes to, like, drugs or when it comes to sex, they're very, um, what's the word? Um, They just don't take it as seriously as they could. Like, it's, it's no big deal to them to go to a party and have sex with somebody. They're, they're just yeah. very, um, I, I, I don't know what the word is, but they just... Even even trying drugs, for that matter. Um, yeah, drugs were there when we were younger, and you knew who to go to to get what you wanted. But <laughs> I now, didn't. I didn't. Like, these kids are trying some of everything. Really? Okay. Yeah. See, yeah. Now, see now, I'm kind of out of touch with that, you know, living here in Norway, but you work 
uh, in a field where you maybe you have a good radar that's picking up on what's going on with these younger kids. It's scary. It is scary. And it's like they, they have no fear of what the consequences are or that the first time that you try it is enough to just get you hooked because they're putting so many different things in these drugs. To, well, that, that end up giving you the um, the addiction. Absolutely, you know, it, it makes absolutely. you want to use them more, and one time is all it takes. You know, I, I hear the stories it. about you know a kid will smoke weed, but they've put some some heroin up in there or some fentanyl or something, and then all of a sudden they got a kick on uh, on the fentanyl, and and all they were trying to do is do something as simple in in air quotes as simple as weed. And yet it's laced with this, that, and the other. See, now that fear thing, um, uh, (laughs) that's what kept me totally, totally uninterested in drinking and and smoking. I didn't drink, didn't smoke back in those days um, because of the fear. It just scared the living daylights out of me to imagine what that could have done to me. You know, of course, with the athletics and all that stuff, I wanted to stay healthy. But uh, fear. Well, that, that's I, and, and that, that know, scares me to this day. That's scary. And that that's what bothers me about a lot of people now, even knowing that they've had a friend that's overdosed and, and died or even just overdosed. Mm-hmm. That's still not enough to scare people to not do it. I mean, you know, I can say that there was never any pressure by anyone when I was younger to try something. If I tried it, it was my choice. Yeah. But I always, in the back of my mind, had that awareness of, mm-hmm. you know, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't try cocaine or you shouldn't try that. I just knew. I just knew what my limits were. But my thing is, at some point, you grow up and realize this is not what I need to be doing. My goal is not to get wasted every single week. Yeah, yeah. That's just, and I think you know, a majority. Me, that's very childish. And I think a majority of people realize the whole thing about the limits, and they kind of get past that experiment stage, uh, because I, I think there's a lot. I don't. I don't have any numbers, but I think there's a lot of people out there who have tried all kinds of drugs, hard drugs, and 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 whatnot, uh, but they don't make a lifestyle out of it. Um, but to get to the well, point, where, there's a get, lot of. Um, no, I was going to say to get to the point where you think I'm going to try. Yeah, what's heroin like? Let me try that. I, I, I don't understand that that thought process, and I'm sure you know a professional could explain that thought process. But but I, ju- I just don't understand. You know, look what happened to to Johnny, to my son. Um, to imagine him uh, as a teenager making the decision to try heroin or opiates, uh, I, I I try to put my mind in that situation. And I just can't see myself making that decision. I can't see how anyone can make that decision to try something like heroin. Yeah. That heroin, that heroin thing. I I think I'll try that. Yeah. That's what I was talking about, about, I always had that awareness of, you know, this is as far as I'm going to go. I'm not going to do that hardcore stuff. Well, I remember Ma, Ma used to, to see, I was aware of, the consequences of things like that. I can remember standing next to Ma in the kitchen, helping her wash the dishes, and these conversations would come up. She'd say, don't you ever go out there and get drunk. Don't you ever try and smoke this, that, and the other. Don't you ever... So, you know, and and she would talk about the consequences of that, not just that I would get ass whooping, but (laughs) what those kind of things could do to me. 
if I tried it, you know, do to me physically and mentally. So, and I remember that from a very young age. And I wonder how many people... And that's interesting, though, because I I never had that conversation with her. She never once said anything to me about that. Oh, I can remember. Mm -hmm. She she used to... If I remember right, I would be... It would be uh, in, in the context of my athletics, you know, playing football and running track and stuff like that. And then that conversation would come up in connection with that, you know, don't, don't smoke. It'll ruin your lungs. You won't be a good running back because you won't be able to breathe. Don't drink because, you know, you know, things like that in connection with sports. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Hmm. Well, you know, and then I, and then I have to wonder how many parents are doing that. Um, over here, there's kind of a naive uh, thing among a lot of parents. They'll be like, oh, you shouldn't talk to your kids about that. They're only seven or eight years old. You don't need to have that conversation. Well, yes, I do. And we have, Snoop and I have had that conversation with our two kids. Uh, it's been, I mean, it's, a, it's an ongoing conversation. Whenever it fits to bring it up, we bring it up. And we've been doing that since day one, you know, since they've been able to talk and understand conversation. I don't think it's ever too early to make kids aware of those things and the consequences of it. I agree. I agree. But, you know, one of the sad things, too, is in in working with some of the people that I do and hearing their stories about how they got started. Well, a lot of these people got started because their parents got them started. And that right there is enough to make you want to just beat somebody to death that's that's now you, who does that with their child i mean come on now you and mentioned we're talking about young ages yeah now you mentioned that you work with people like that tell people what your job title is what do you do right now i am a case manager at a chemical dependency um facility mm-hmm. i work with women and we have residential facilities there where there's one for women and one for men. I'm at the women's facility and basically as a case manager, I'm not doing any counseling. I mean, I can talk to people about things, um, but not on a counseling type level. Um, I help them with different resources and just make sure they have everything that they have. I'm sorry, everything they need. Yeah. Um, I love my job. I absolutely love it my sounds job. Like I, it. I will be a counselor. I do. I love it. It is so rewarding and fulfilling and just knowing that I'm helping someone. And so that's why I'm in school right now. And I'll one day be a chemical dependency counselor. Now you are another case. Now it, it just seems like I've been, you know, you're my sister, so that's different. You're, you're in my life. But in my life outside of the immediate family, I seem to be bumping into people who are, you know, uh, in their late 30s, 40s, and even into their 50s. And they are just now falling into a situation in their lives where they are truly happy, whether it's in their work life or with some of these artists and musicians and comedians, they're finally falling into a good place with their art. Um now that this is this is the job that you have enjoyed the most in your life, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because you so know, it's never too late. When I, it doesn't matter how old somebody is, it's never too late to find that that uh, that comfort zone. You know, everybody thinks, "Oh my gosh, I'm I'm 40. Uh that's it. I'm going it's all it's all it's all over with, you know, my good years are gone." That is so far from true, and I think you're an example of that. 
system? Well, yeah, and I think you you get stuck in a rut because the thing is, you figure my first job, um, I started working for the city of Akron uh, right out of high school. So that pretty much was was all of my adult life. I was there for 24 years. Yeah. Um, So I was 47 when I decided to get into school and get into this field. Was that scary? It was scary. It was definitely scary. I mean, I started over. I did take a pretty big pay cut, but the end result is going to be good. So to me, it's worth it. This is something that I wanted to do. I always wanted to go to school and just never kind of had the opportunity to do it. But um, like I said, this field, it's such a needed field for one thing. Sure, Um, sure. On a different level, too, is there are not a lot of black chemical dependency counselors. And one thing that I've heard from clients, because we have a survey that we give them a couple times a year to ask for things that may be Mm. positive or negative about their experience at our facility. And one of the things that I have seen them say fairly frequently, at least the black clients anyway, that there's no one like them that they feel can relate to their experience, which translates to they want to see some more black counselors. And we don't have that many at my agency. Let's flip that. If this was an agency that was mostly black caseworkers, do you think the white clients would say, hey, we would like to see more people like us? Do you think that is interchangeable? Yeah. I, I think they definitely need to be diverse with who they hire. Now, I've, I've noticed, I'd say over maybe the last year and a half, we do seem to be hiring more black counselors. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think. As far as I know, we have one, two, three, and that's pretty sad. I mean, three out of how many? Agency. Three out of how many counselors? Um, I don't know. We're, we're small. We're nonprofit. Mm. We're not huge or anything. Um, mm. I don't know. Maybe uh, I'll guess and say maybe 50, maybe 60 counselors. Yeah. Wow. But diversity is important, just like there, sure there it should is. be some um, Asian, just some of everything. So everyone feels represented and <laughs> how do, they're able to connect how, how in the what? world am i going to feel represented represented over here good lord diversity what is well, that in norway yeah. <laughs> diversity is oh. important Very sure sure important. absolutely absolutely it's important um well yeah it's a matter of viewpoints and the more viewpoints you have um uh, you know i think about that interagency um cooperation where the where the where the people within the agency can share their experiences share their ideas and then through that there can be a growth in their counseling capabilities and in order to have that growth you need an influx of different opinions i would think uh so yes diversity is important there's some people who who look at uh calls for diversity as just you know bitching and complaining and all that stuff i do not see it that way uh, calls for conver- for um, calls for uh, diversity are important. I think it's imperative if you're running any kind of a business. If you're running, especially a business that that is, you know, in the field of healthcare, mental healthcare, or physical healthcare, you need that influx of different opinions, and you get that through diversity. Right. 
because diversity right. means different experiences, different viewpoints. Mm-hmm. It stimulates right. growth, stimulates growth. Right. Absolutely. Well, and I think training is a big issue too. Um, trying to bring people in that can give their different viewpoints. We, um, let's see, we, we do an ethics training every year because that's kind of required for licensing. Um, and we had someone that came in last year to do, um, I had to laugh because I, I want to say the name of it was something about dealing with the African American population. <laughs> and it just, <laughs> to me, it came across as funny. I, <laughs> how to deal with black people. <laughs> and then in parentheses, um, why should we? <laughs> <laughs> it was, I didn't, I didn't necessarily feel it was a good training. I mean, I think people were just kind of sitting there like, okay. Well, well was wow. it a white guy? Was it a white guy or a white lady given the training or was it a black person? It was a black person, okay, but I, okay. I just feel like it wasn't really, it wasn't, I don't know. <laughs> it wasn't beneficial to me anyway. What, it was what, was it corny, actually. Okay, I was going to say, was it like corny and it didn't get into the meat of the issue? It was just kind of glossed over? Exactly. Okay, yeah. Exactly. It, it didn't well, get to the, the heart of, of what it should have been. Well, a lot of people are afraid of that issue. They want to tiptoe around it. I see that all the time over here in Norway. You know, I'm, I'm not racist, but, uh, you know, and anytime you start those types of conversations, well, I'm not racist, then you're, you're putting right. yourself, well, well, they, they put themselves on the defensive and it's as if when that conversation comes up, they feel defensive, drop that defensiveness mm-hmm. and just open yourself up to the conversation. Just open yourself up to the conversation. It's not nothing to be yeah. afraid of, you know, uh, and, and I see it on social media and I don't post a lot of political stuff on my, my personal page. I'm a member in some political groups And very often, if I just raise the issue of race relations, then, 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 you know, within minutes, there's dozens of comments uh, from white people who are extremely defensive or they accuse me of just being focused on racial issues, you know. Um, race baiting. That's what you're race baiting. I think that's stupid. Every time the conversation is brought up, then, then that issue of race baiting comes out. Why can't it just be a conversation? It is an issue. Yeah. It is an issue. It's something to be discussed. And I think it's a great discussion to have. But, um, yeah, some people are afraid of it. Some people are afraid of it. And they shouldn't be. They shouldn't be. It, it just makes no sense to me. Well, I'm afraid of not talking about it. I get afraid when there's not enough. I agree. Yeah. Talk, just talk about it. Let's get it out there and, and, and deal with it and make some changes. Well, it's kind of like how when people say, why do you keep bringing it up? What's the point of bringing it up? But you know what? Why would you stay silent? To me, that <laughs> irritates yeah, me. Yeah. Well, Staying what, silent is, it, it, at times it can be that you're, in agreement with the person staying silent could be you're in fear of the situation. I mean, just speak up. Let's talk about it. Well, and what a lot of people do, um, yeah, now I lost my train of thought. Well, I'm a great podcast host. Now I lost my train of thought. <laughs> yeah. And you're old too. I ain't old girl. Older than me. Yeah. And wiser and wiser. You know, I don't fall into that age trap. I really don't. 
Uh, I'm living my best. I don't think I do either. No, I, no. I have I, so many people that don't want to admit their age. I'm going to be 50 this year. I'm yeah, proud of that. I'm, I'm, I, yep. You know? You know, it, it's all a perspective thing because I can remember when we were little, I have very clear memories of when Ma turned like 30, for example, I'm, and I would be thinking, oh my gosh, she's so doggone old. And then I remember when she turned 40, I'm like, oh my gosh, she's going to die soon. <laughs> when she turned 50, the same thing, just that feeling of, oh my gosh, they're so old. They're, that's, that's old. And then you start living those years and then you reach 30 and like, hey, this is, there's nothing wrong with this. And you reach 40 and hey, this is great. And you reach 50 and I, I, I don't see it. I don't, I don't, th- I don't think about it. I just live my life and I feel great. Look, I, look great. I agree. Now I will say when I turned 30, I had a little problem with it, but it wasn't because, oh God, I'm turning 30. It was more so one of those things of, I didn't really feel I was where I should be. Mm. Um, you know, I'm turning 30. Have I accomplished this? Have I accomplished that? Okay. That was the issue. So you had But that... I tell you what, I have, yeah. Yeah. I, but I loved turning 40. 40 was a big change for me. And I think 50 is going to be even better. Did you, no, I, you, I have no problem with age. When you turned 40, did you have a, did you have a party? Did you go out? No, I just so you, didn't, um, <laughs> so you didn't party like you did when you were fifteen in high school. That's probably a good thing. Well, you know, again, that that's a maturity thing. I no. Yeah, I, no, I'm just playing. I'm, with I'm you. so not the person that I no. was in high school. That that was a whole other person. Yeah. Um, really, to me, if I go out now, it's one of those things where I'm kind of looking at my watch, trying to figure out, okay, is it too early to go? Are they going to get mad if I go this early? <laughs> I'm lucky to stay out until eight o'clock. I just, I can't do you it. You know, I go out and uh, I'm not doing so much music performance right now. It's been quite a, a long time since I did that. But when I go out and do my stand up, um, you know, I go up, I go on stage, I do my thing. And I just don't. I don't know that 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 being out in the club thing that 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 partying thing is just that's just not me. I don't fit. I just don't fit into that. I never did. I never did. Well, see, and I think my thing is I did so much of all of that mm-hmm. when I was younger and and kind of too young to be doing it. That by <laughs> the time I turned twenty one, I was like, eh, you know, been there, done that. I don't Un- need to do that anymore. Unbeknownst so. to me, I just did not know you were into that back then. I had no clue, no clue, nothing. You hit it well. I mean, I you know, you, I don't want to make it seem like I was an alcoholic, no, or no, druggy or anything no, like no. that. But we we had fun. We had a but ju- our our group of friends was you know we we had a good time. <laughs> we had a good time. Yeah. So, what is the state of affairs there in your area of Ohio right now? How are people how are people doing? Well, everything is shut down basically. Um I went to the store after work yesterday with the hope of trying to get <clears throat> a little bit more food and just things that we needed. Um a lot of stuff is just closed. You you go to the store and some of the um, shelves are bare. I did finally get meat because I had gone to the store on Monday with the hope of getting some hamburger meat to make 
you know, stuff that I would last for a while, your, your chili and sloppy joes and just stuff like that. And there was no meat at all. I thought, wow, this is crazy. No meat, no soap, no cheese, no bread. I mean, we had to go all over the place just to find bread. Really? And you definitely can't get toilet paper. That toilet paper is just totally gone. Uh, that's just but crazy. I buy that. Yeah, it's crazy. Things are pretty chilled out here in Norway. Now, last night, Snoop and the babies went out camping up in the mountains. Um, I I haven't been out to the stores. I haven't been out of the house in about 10, 12, 12 days now. Uh, kind of a self-imposed quarantine on myself. Um, I just don't mm-hmm. need to catch that virus with, you know, I have asthma. So I'm thinking if that virus gets in my lungs, I'm I'm going to suffer. So... I'm on a little self-imposed quarantine. Snoop has been going to work. Uh, the kids have been home. Uh, they have a full school school day, but online. So the kids have been home uh, for the last week. So I really don't get a view of what's happening like with the store situation. But according to Snoopy, there's no big issues with anything being missing. Um, I haven't really been watching much news, so I don't know what's going on. I do see that the streets are empty. There's very little traffic out there, but I'm I'm just chilling. Right. You know, I'm just pumping out podcast right. episodes. Um, I'm doing some YouTube content, doing a lot of music, writing, writing music, writing more stand up uh, stuff. So I'm just I'm just chilling. I'm not trying to downplay anybody okay. else's inconvenience or suffering, but for for me, uh, I'm just chilling. Yeah, the kids here have been out of school all week as well. Um, Everything is online. My college is online. Um, As far as work, we have everybody pretty much working from home right now. Yeah. How's that working? um, Is that going okay? I I start that on Monday, so I don't know yet. Okay. Well... I tell you, it was nice having, I mean, for us, this is just a normal telephone conversation, but uh, I think my uh, my listeners were enjoying it. They were probably uh, happy to hear, happy to hear me touch base with you and you can talk, you get to talk a little bit about your job and certain things going on. So thank you for saying yes to my request for you to be on this podcast episode. Well, definitely have me on again. I'd be more than happy to come. Yeah, well, <laughs> I need content, so I will be calling you from time to time. Absolutely. Well, okay. listen, say right. hi say hi to everybody there and uh, take care of yourself. You too, and I will talk to you soon. Okay, bye. All right, bye-bye. So, everybody, that was my sister, Meredith. Uh, I love her to death. (laughs) We've got that sibling connection. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. I am your host, John Allen. Uh, You can check me out at my new website, www.johnallenpod.com. That's J-O-H-N-A-L-A-N-P-O-D.com. Johnallenpod.com. Check me out there. Uh, from there you have, uh, yeah, you can connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter and on Instagram. All those links to those pages are on my website. Uh, I will also be posting all of, or I am posting all of my podcast episodes there as well. And also my YouTube channel. So thank you all for listening. Goodbye, everybody. 